<laughs> so, once we kidnap the girl, then what, doctor? Tiny surgery. I like to take her face off and put her face on my daughter. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to use the little boy's wee-wee room. Wait, wait, Dr. Genesia. You want to take her face off? Yes, her face off. Eyes, nose, skin coming off. Face off. No more drugs to that doctor. Five seconds to tell me where you buried your loot. Hello, looters. Welcome to the Movie Loot, the podcast where we share the best, greatest, most entertaining, and or weirdest film loot you could find. My name is Carlo, and we'll be sharing the loot today. This is episode 74, the November loot. A bit late, but here it is anyway. And November was a great month for the loot. So let's start with that. We released episode 73, the Puerto Rican loot, where I had local critic Mario Alegre to talk about the Puerto Rican film industry and Puerto Rican films in general. That episode did really well. It ended up having one of the best opening days, the best opening week ever on the show, and it's currently one of the 10 most downloaded episodes of the show and tied for the second best of the year. My friend Keram at K Maliki Sanchez said, just listen to the Puerto Rico loot, and it was fantastic. Kudos on your important cultural service. So thanks to Keram for his words, but also thanks to Mario for a great conversation, and thanks to all of you listeners for supporting an episode that was very niche, but very special for me. I really appreciate it. And speaking of listener support, we're still ranking well via Apple Podcasts in Europe. We were number 18 in Ireland and number 147 in Switzerland. And speaking of Apple Podcasts, we also got a couple of new reviews that I would like to share. One of them was from a man, Stu, from Stu World Order, who gave us five stars and wrote, Love Carlo. He is crazy, insightful, and a joy to listen to. His tastes are wildly eclectic, and if there is an era of movies you dig, he has talked about it. This show is an A+. Thanks to Stu, who's a great guy and also has a great show. So go and support the Stu World Order. And if you happen by an episode on Man of Steel, then you might listen to yours truly. Actually, Stu told me last week that our episode together was by far my most downloaded episode ever, by the way. It blew up during San Diego Comic Con. So thanks to Stu for having me and thanks to everybody for listening to me there. Also, my man Jason from Binge Movies gave us five stars and wrote, Brevity is the soul of wit. Keeps it simple and smart. So also thanks to Jason and make sure you check out Binge Movies, which is a great show. We were also doing fairly well on Good Pots. I think we even hit number one at one point on one of their charts because I hadn't checked the leaderboards and one day I checked and said I was number 78, gone down 78 spots. Last time I checked, we were number 19 in film interviews all time and number 16 in indie film interviews all time. So whether you're listening through Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Spotify or wherever you listen from, thanks to everybody for the support. 
And speaking of Spotify, near the beginning of December, they launched their Spotify Wrapped initiative. And here are some of the stats I got for the movie loot. First, our September episode, The Women's Loot with Sylvie, had 240% more streams than our average episode. 86% of our Spotify listeners discovered us in 2022. We had a 50% increase in Spotify followers, and the movie loot was in the top 15% most shared globally. Finally, we're a top 10 podcast for 15 fans, a top 5 podcast for 12 fans, and the number 1 podcast for 3 fans. So thanks to everybody who's listening to us through Spotify. But let's get to today's loot, which covers everything I saw during November, and although I saw a bunch of films that were very, very good, I want to put the spotlight on one film in particular, and that is Eyes Without a Face from 1960. Let's go! Que cherche-t-elle? Le reflet de ses yeux? De son visage? J'ai rendez-vous avec une amie. Je vous dirai demain. Demain. Il sera trop tard, mon petit. Edith Scobb, dont vous connaîtrez enfin le visage en venant voir notre prochain spectacle, Les yeux sans visage. Eyes Without a Face is a French-language horror film co-written and directed by Georges Franjou. It is a French-Italian co-production, and it's based on a novel called Les Yeux Sans Visage, or something like that, by Jean Redon. This film follows Dr. Genesier, played by Pierre Brasseur, whose daughter Christiane, played by Edith Scott, has been disfigured in a car accident. In his effort to restore her face, he resorts to all sorts of terrible things to achieve his goal. But even if he succeeds, you get the notion that Christiane's happiness and well-being are not his main focus. Genesier seems to be more driven by scientific ambition and perhaps something more psychologically troubling. This is one of those films that is often mentioned among lists of great films that I hadn't gotten to yet, but I'm so happy I finally got around to it. I love how Franju starts us more or less in the middle of things, but still has the patience to hold his reveals until the most precise moment, while maintaining a constant atmosphere of dread. Genesier is accompanied by his loyal assistant, Louise, played by Alida Bali, who helps him prey on potential victims. And I think that's one of the things I like the most, not only in how effectively Franju directs those scenes where they are kidnapping other young women, but also because of the character of Louise and how Bali portrays her. I think that her performance is my favorite of the film, and the character is the most complex of the bunch. 
The initial response to the film seems to have been mild, with some critics dismissing the film as a weak attempt in a quote-unquote minor genre quite unworthy of his abilities. Franju was already known as a documentary filmmaker, and this was his second non-documentary feature. However, its reputation has risen with time, and it is now considered a classic. It has a 96% rating in Rotten Tomatoes, with a consensus that reads, A horrific tale of guilt and obsession. Eyes Without a Face is just as chilling and poetic today as it was when it was first released. My friend Kevin from the podcast that wouldn't die said, Love it! And you can even see its influence, especially in a film like Face Off, which I homage in the intro, which features a very similar face transplant scene. I also read that Pedro Almodovar's The Skin I Live In was heavily influenced by this, but I haven't seen that one. And Holly Motors, which also features Edith Cobb, has a bit of an homage to the film in the end. Either way, in my opinion, the film is great and very much worth your time, which is why it gets the recognition of being the loot of the month. If you want to check it out, Eyes Without a Face is streaming free on HBO Max and the Criterion channel. But on to the rest of the loot. A film from Henri-Georges Clouseau. Henri-Georges Clouseau was born in November 20, so I wanted to check one of his films, so it was a great opportunity to clear another one of those blind spots I've been meaning to clear for a long time, and that is The Wages of Fear. This is another one of those films that is mentioned quite often on greatest lists and whatnot, so I was really looking forward to it, and it didn't disappoint. For those that don't know, the film follows a group of four European men trapped in a nondescript Latin American country. They're penniless and desperate for jobs, so they accept a dangerous but well-paid job to drive two trucks loaded with nitroglycerin to an oil well that's on fire. The thing is that they have to transport the volatile cargo through rocky terrain, narrow mountain roads, and rickety bridges, all while dealing with their own personal issues and ambitions. The film is noteworthy for the way it transmits constant tension. Even during the first act, where Clouseau takes his time to set the premise, introduce the characters, and let us see how they interact, there is a constant tension that seeps through the screen, which extends to their journey, which starts halfway through the film. But that dynamic between the four main characters, that's what I think is the most interesting aspect. Even though most of them are assholes, Clouseau does a great job of reversing certain roles, subvert our expectations, and convey how driven these men are to finish the job. If I were to complain about a performance, it would be Vera Clouseau, who looks apart, but her attempts at trying to fake a Latino accent are not good. But that's about it. My friend Michael Cooperman at M. Cooperman said, Wages of Fear is so great. My friend Sylvie at Sly underscore Wit said, It has become a standard recommendation of mine if people want to see more, quote-unquote, entertaining French cinema. And Darren Lumber from Nostalgia Cast said, Oh, I'm so jealous. I was literally sitting on the edge of my seat cushions the first time I watched it. And I definitely agree with Darren. So if you like tense films that keep you on edge, then this is one of the best options out there. If you want to check it out, The Wages of Fear is streaming free on HBO Max and the Criterion channel. A film about politics. November was election month in the US and other countries, so I was looking for a film about politics. I ended up settling on All the King's Men from 1949. This film follows the rise and fall of Willie Stark, played by Broderick Crawford, a homegrown and ambitious politician from a rural county that learns how to ride the system and ends up becoming as corrupt and ruthless as those that he condemned. All this at the expense of everyone close to him, from his family to his close associates. This was a Best Picture winner, but I'm actually surprised that it doesn't get mentioned more often, because it was quite good. 
Most of what happens in the film is told from the point of view of Jack Burton, played by John Ireland, a journalist that becomes Stark's right-hand man, despite not necessarily agreeing with his methods. And I thought that's one of the most interesting things of the film, how you see all these people surrounding Stark sinking deeper and deeper with him, sometimes not even wanting to. But a huge part of selling that is on Crawford's performance, who is excellent in the lead role. I believe he won an Oscar for it. I also love how the film takes its time to build up what happens instead of rushing things. Stark's transformation from ardent populist to corrupt leader isn't immediate, but rather takes years and years as the system ships away at his outer shell until it breaks. There's also a very good performance from Mercedes McCambridge as Sadie, Stark's loyal assistant, who secretly harbors an affection for him. If I were to have a complaint, it's that Ireland doesn't stand a chance against Crawford. And whenever Crawford isn't on screen, the film lacks something that I don't think Ireland could fill. Anyway, I still thought it was a neat surprise, a dark story with tinges of noir and some great performances. So if you like that, check it out. My friend Reverend Bruce at Eyes Wide Open 2007 said, Love this film. This original is better than the Sean Penn remake based on one of the great American novels. And my friend Sonny at Little Lost Sonny said, stay far away from the remake. Do not be fooled by the stellar cast. It is bad. So apparently there was this recent remake, but judging by Bruce and Sonny's opinion, I better stay away from it. So check out the original instead. It is only streaming free on Fubo, but it is available for rent on Amazon, Vudu, Apple TV, and many others. A film with a title that starts with the letters U or V. For this category, I went with Lee Wanell's Upgrade from 2018. The film is set in a near future where automation is taking over, and it follows Grey Trace, played by Logan Marshall Green, an auto mechanic who still tries to cling to some level of control on his life. But when tragedy hits him, and he ends up a quadriplegic, he undergoes an experimental procedure that implants a ship on his spine, which gives him back control of his body, and then some. With these upgraded powers, he sets out to take revenge against those that harm him. This was yet another pleasant surprise. The film is sci-fi, but it doesn't fall prey to the usual excesses of the genre, but tries to keep things more or less grounded, or at least as grounded as you can based on the premise. But I would say it is more action and horror than it is sci-fi. One else direction is a highlight as he tries to transmit the distortion and imbalance on Gray's mind, but he also injects a decent amount of humor to a story that would be awfully bleak otherwise. Marshall Green does a great job of showing the different shades of Gray that go from pain and suffering to disbelief and eventually confidence and cockiness as he gets more comfortable with his new powers, but is he really in control? This is one that had a lot of fans. When I said I was watching it, Darren Lumberg said, or better Venom. Mel Valentin at Real Mel Valentin said, Great little flick, similar premise to Venom, most definitely better executed. And VSMP at VS Movie Podcast said, This is the best Venom movie ever made. So three Venom reference at once. Sylvie at Sly underscore Wit said, Upgrade is a total hidden gem, one of those films I never would have watched if it hadn't been recommended to me in the Twitterverse, mostly because it's usually classified as sci-fi, which is not my fave, but it's more of an action thriller than anything, which I love. My friend Keram at K. Maliki Sanchez said, Upgrade is underrated near-future sci-fi, like it much more than I expected. The Friends of Science Fiction Remnant said, Have you heard us and David Birch talk about this movie? It was really interesting for me. So I'm going to make sure I check their episode about the film. Wolfgang's Paw at Wolfgang Forever said, Cool movie. Trey's own reluctance at the damage he's doing really sells the performance. More people need to check Upgrade. My man Scotty at Pirate Scotty said, Awesome movie. 
Pete from the Middle Class Film Class Podcast said, So much fun. I usually think of blind spotting whenever I think of Upgrade. Totally different movies, but they are cousins in my mind. Bill at Bill Reads Bad Reviews said, Freaking wild movie. And John Cassidy Jr. at Jonku82 said, I hated that ending, not because it was bad, but because of what happened. Don't want to spoil it, so I'll leave it at that. Great movie. So that's it. Lots of fans for this movie and definitely one that I strongly recommend. If you want to check it out, it is streaming free on Fubo, DirecTV, and USA. A film from Latvia. Latvia celebrated its independence in November 18, so I was looking for something from there. I had a bit of a hard time finding something that was free or at least available streaming, but I couldn't. So I settled for a bunch of animated short films from there, and it was a nice experience. I saw a dramatic ending from 2019 and directed by Kerija Arne. Deviate from 2020 and directed by Kate Raza Osola. The Letter from 2002 and directed by Vladimir Leskiop. And finally, Vertigo from 2018 and directed by Liana Mihailova. The weird thing is that I found all four in a letterbox list that I sorted by duration from shortest to longest. And even though I picked randomly, I ended up choosing four with some interesting tie-ins. The four of them are animated, the four of them are the first and sometimes only project from all four filmmakers. And the four feature music and sound from Gertz Biss. And on that line, it was really interesting to see Biss approach to all four shorts from different perspectives and deliver different kinds of music to each. All four shorts are mostly quirky, experimental, and weird, but you can still feel the creative passion of its filmmakers. If you ask me, Dramatic Ending was probably the weirdest, Deviate was the coolest, The Letter was the most impressively animated because it was hand-drawn and it looked really cool, and Vertigo was the most emotionally affecting. But in a way, all of them were weird, cool, impressively animated, and emotionally strong, so I'm glad I watched them all. A Film Noir Chose this category, obviously, because of November, the annual celebration dedicated to film noir in November, and I went with 1944's The Woman in the Window, from Fritz Lang. This one follows Richard Wanley, played by Edward G. Robinson, a professor and married man that ends up meeting Alice, played by Joan Bennett, the titular woman in the window. But what might seem like an innocent meeting ends up leading into disaster, as they both end up with a murder in their hands. The two then try to cover it up, while also trying to keep Richard's DA friend off their scent. When I started looking for something for November, this one came up pretty high in a lot of lists, and with reason. The film manages to build up a solid tension as we see the events unfold, and we see Wan Lee sinking deeper and deeper into his own lies. There's also Lang's tight direction and a breezy pace, and you got a neat and lean film that does what it has to do and does it well. Robinson does a great job in the lead role, and Bennett adds a certain level of uncertainty. We're never really sure where she stands. And this is heightened when Height, played by Dan Duria, enters the scene as a third party determined to blackmail both of them. And Duria easily steals the second half of the film, which is usually the norm. He's always excellent in everything I've seen him in. There is an obviously tacked-on ending that feels a bit like a sheet, but other than that, this was a very solid film noir. My friend Tyler at A Film Addicted said, just remember, the last five minutes were forced upon Lang and the true ending is obvious. Other than that, it's great. Sylvie at Sly underscore Wit said about the ending, many people hate it, but I've always thought it made sense given the characters and the whole way it is set up. My preferred Bennett and Robinson noir pairing. And Darren Longbird from Nostalgia Cast said, it's wonderful. My friend Karshena at Karshena J said, love noir films. And Jerry Sarabia at Jerry at the Movie said, Fantastic Noir, the dreamy kind. So if you have a chance and you see this streaming somewhere, make sure you check it out.
a film with the word time in its title. I chose this category because of Daylight Savings Time, which was in November 6th. And since I started the month watching a lot of Puerto Rican films, I went with one called Party Time, the movie from 2009. This film is inspired by a Puerto Rican TV show that came out in 1988 called Party Time, which featured music, dance competitions, artist performances, targeted to teenagers and young adults. Set in that time, the film uses that show as a backdrop for this lively rom-com where two teenagers from different cliques, Javier, played by Rafael Albarran, and Laura, played by Suhail Martin, decide to join forces to participate in a dance competition at the show. Laura wants to do it because it's her dream to be a dancer, while Javier wants to do it because he thinks it might give him the chance to bond with the girl of his dreams. So you can probably guess where the story goes from there. It is nothing new, but the script does incorporate some nice local touches, and most important, it's mostly fun. The cast has pretty good chemistry, Albarrana and Martin feel natural, and the way their relationship develops, although expected, makes sense. The other main asset is the direction from Juanma Fernandez Paris, who does a great job, especially if you consider it's his first film. Overall, this is not a groundbreaking masterpiece, nor is it trying to be, but it is a pretty cool snapshot of a certain time of Puerto Rican popular culture, mixing typical teen comedy elements with some Puerto Rican flavor, resulting in a fun watch. A war film. For this category, I went with yet another Puerto Rican film, this time a 1996 war film titled Héroes de Otra Patria, Heroes from Another Country. This one is set in the Vietnam War and follows Carlos, played by Jorge Castillo, an idealistic soldier that's anxious to return home to his family. However, when he's sent in a dangerous mission with Raúl, played by Jimmy Navarro, a more unhinged soldier, the two have to learn to take care of each other. This is one I remember seeing back in the day and had fond memories of it and being surprised by it, so I was looking forward to revisiting it. The script has some issues, but the direction by Ivan Dariel Ortiz is pretty solid. It's obvious he's trying to make the most of a small budget to try to portray realistic combat scenes, but for the most part he succeeds, even if you can see the scenes here and there. The scenes in Vietnam are intercalated with scenes in Puerto Rico of Carlos' family struggling to keep things together while he's away. These scenes aren't that well executed, and I think they break the pace from the war scenes, which are slightly better executed. Castillo and Navarro are competent, but their dialogue is not. They are given clunky lines that seem to be taken off brochures and don't feel organic at all. Moreover, for how important their bond and interactions are in the second half of the film, I wish the relationship between the two characters would have been established better in the first act. Without that, the developments of the second half don't have the same weight that they could have had. Overall, this is an ambitious film as far as Puerto Rican cinema goes, and as such, it ends up with a good share of flaws. I commend Ortiz for his efforts and an interesting twist, but he definitely needed better writing. A film with the number 11 in its title. Finally, closing the loot with the one I closed the month with, which was the original Ocean's Eleven from 1960. This film follows Danny Ocean, played by Frank Sinatra, a World War II veteran that recruits his former war buddies and friends to rob five Las Vegas casinos on the same night. The reasoning is not fully there, they just hint at how much he loves danger and the thrill of the heist, but that's about it. Unfortunately, the film also lacks the tension and the cleverness you would expect from similar films. Darren Lundberg from Nostalgiacast said, If you make it more than halfway through, I'll be very impressed. It's like the pack hired a working cinematographer to film their Vegas travelogue. Meanwhile, my friend Tom at Deaf Heaven said, It may not be as deep as an ocean, but it's fun and it's cool, but probably not nearly as fun and cool as the Rat Pack had just hanging out together and making a film in Vegas. 
And I agree, it does try to deliver with the interactions between the members of the Rat Pack, and it's obvious that the chemistry is there. There is a certain laid-back and breezy approach to it that you kind of enjoy seeing them frolic around as they essentially play themselves. But I was expecting a bit more from the story. The execution is lazy, the narrative is lacking, and the direction lacks that certain oomph that you would expect from a project like this. So I would mostly recommend this to fans of the Rat Pack or original remake completists. It is streaming free on DirecTV and TCM. To everyone else, watch the Soderbergh one. There were a good bunch of films with which I started the month, Puerto Rican films that I saw to prepare for that podcast episode on Puerto Rican films, so make sure you check that episode to find out my thoughts about most of the ones I saw. So that was my November loot. Feel free to check out any of these films and let us know what you think. Like I always say, I love getting feedback on films that people find out about because of the loot. So get back to me and let me know what you liked or what you didn't. If you want to do that, you can find us via Twitter at TMML2021 and my personal account at TFCGT. You can also use those to let us know what you think of the show, film recommendations, or just engage with us. As you know, the podcast is available on pretty much every audio podcasting platform, from Apple Podcasts and Spotify to Google Podcasts and GoodPods and everything in between. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be like Stu and Jason and leave us a rating or review. That only helps us to get to more people. Finally, stay tuned for more news of what's to come in the movie loot for the next year. There are a lot of ideas and plans that I have in mind that I'm sure you're going to love. That'll be all now, because I have to use the little boy's wee-wee room. Bye. Face. Oh, yeah.